We're now taking in mortar fire and small arms fire from the outskirts of the village, but we are close to Kukuk. We're the only English band in the top four. That defined, I suppose, the generation. Ninety raids today have targeted dealers. Now I've reached a stage where I can't think of anything else but the heroin. It's another night in the Bronx. The murals that decorate the walls of Sulaymaniyah are a reminder of the Kurds' rich history. A reminder too of the suffering they've endured to survive in this inhospitable part of the world. Memories too of their failed uprising against Saddam Hussein, which drove millions of Kurds into exile across their borders at the end of the last Gulf War. But Sulaymaniyah, encircled by the Goja Mountains, is a different place these days. A place that the Kurds, the largest ethnic group in the world without a country of their own, can call home. They have an army now, and under the protection of the US and British air umbrella, have ruled Kurdistan under virtual self-autonomy for the past 12 years. The economy is thriving. This is a city where at last the Kurds can enjoy some sense of security. But these people want more, and the coming war may give them a chance to return at last to their ancient home in the south. As the Jews once dreamt of Jerusalem, the Kurds hunger for Kukuk. For the Kurds, this is a, a very important issue. Kukuk is a part of the land of the Kurds. Down along the border with Iraq, the refugees are counting the days. These are some of the tens of thousands of Kurds driven from their homes in Kirkuk to camps like these near the frontier. There's a palpable sense of expectation along the muddy tent-lined streets. A long-awaited homecoming could be just weeks away. If I could go to my home in Kirkuk, I would go right now. I would even go with our army when they go in. Even if there was fighting, I would go, God willing. At the border, Kirkuk is less than 50 miles away down a straight road. The troops here are convinced that the Iraqis in the distance will flee once the war starts, and the floodgates will open to tens of thousands of Kurds determined to reclaim Kirkuk as their own. It doesn't look much, but this is the starting line for the race to Kirkuk. The city's not just the spiritual home for the Kurds, it's also the source of Iraq's oil deposits. And for the military commanders of three separate armies, it is a prize worth taking. For the Americans, the Turks, and the Kurds, it'll be the primary objective in the opening hours of any war. Peter Sharp, Sky News, in northern Iraq.
mid-morning, under the gaze of U.S. Special Forces, Kurdish fighters moved out through abandoned Iraqi lines at the start of the long-awaited push on Kirkuk, just 15 miles down the road. Although the Kurds were operating under the control of the Special Forces, nothing was going to stand in the way of their advance on the traditional capital. The offensive to take Kirkuk has actually begun. Hundreds of Peshmerga fighters moving down this road, accompanied by special forces from the US, towards Bidua, and beyond that lies Kirkuk. Within an hour, they've reached Bidua, heavily bombed in weeks of coalition raids. In the trenches, signs that defending Iraqi troops had left quickly, falling back along the road to Kirkuk. US special forces were now just along for the ride. Any deal to keep the Kurds out of Kirkuk to appease the Turks was thrown out of the window. But at Lilan, on the outskirts of Kirkuk itself, the attack stalled. This rapid advance by several hundred Peshmerga fighters, accompanied by American special forces, has rolled down about 15 Ks in, in less than an hour. But now it seems to be stalled at the village of Lilan, which is just on the outskirts of Kirkuk. We're now taking in mortar fire and small arms fire from the outskirts of the village, but we are close to Kirkuk. Within minutes, Peshmerga forces were pulling back under fire. Kirkuk was close, but still so far. Later, US special forces called in a series of airstrikes, bombs dropping on the Iraqi defenses that had stalled the attack. But only minutes later, a huge explosion on the Kurdish positions. Despite the presence of special forces, fire controllers, a B-52 bombed the road just a quarter of a mile behind us. It was yet another instance of friendly fire, a strike that did more to demoralize the Kurdish fighters than the earlier Iraqi attacks. It took some of the leading edge Kurdish units less than two hours to punch their way through. And once there, they found a city in a collective state of delirium. The Kurds, driven out of their spiritual home by Saddam Hussein, were back at last and here to stay. Venting decades of burning hatred for the man who killed thousands of their people. Saddam Hussein's brutality towards the Kurdish people was all-encompassing. He gassed 5,000 of them at Halabja, and today the people of Kirkuk and the soldiers who liberated them remembered that.
Kurdish troops have been warned not to enter the city for fear of antagonizing the Turks. But the liberation of Kirkuk could become a national obsession. This evening, the roads from Kurdistan to Kirkuk are backed up to the border. It's not just soldiers coming here. Tens of thousands of displaced Kurds are also moving towards Kirkuk to join the party. And it was fitting that the Kurds freed themselves. Unlike Basra and Baghdad, coalition forces played little part in this day of celebration, executed for years, still in search of a nation, today found their capital. Peter Sharp, Sky News, in Kirkuk.